into audition, which is recording now. Yeah, but yours looks cooler than mine. See, yours looks like the Matrix. Yeah, that is true. Mine. We need to combine the two together. Some sort of. It does look. It does make me feel like uh, like I'm Doctor Dre or something. Like it does. It looks good. <laughs> it does. It looks good. And that's exactly the perfect way of starting the podcast. Is that's like the futuristic. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Whereas this very much does like look like a, a default click. It looks like a Google app. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And that is that's a that's a perf that's a perfect introduction. To the uh, ITMV to the podcast. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Well. The ITMV podcast, what it's going to be is myself, Charlie, and this is, I'm dropping my pen, that doesn't go, that's not a great look, is it? It's not a great way to introduce um, yourself. No, I'm Charlie, I'm Charlie Brock, we are ITMV, this is my esteemed friend and colleague, Mr. Danny Sim. Um, ITMV are a company with a passion for NFTs and for Web3. Uh, we are starting this podcast to, to share that passion with you guys out there. Uh, each episode is going to be kind of slightly different and made up of different sections of ITMV, different people, different guests. Uh, but right now we're going to be going through uh, a little NFT spotlight on a project that we think is really important and we're going to kind of change that week to week. Uh, we've got Matt to come in and talk through some of the hottest NFT drama and gossip that's going on. Uh, we'll have Tyler in as well to talk about the metaverse, Web3. We're going to be discussing eco-blockchains uh, and how we can make the NFT space more green. And then Danny and I will go through a bit about uh, the, the music that's going on in the metaverse scene. We're going to be talking about Snoop Dogg and Universal Music Group. So we've got a really jam-packed show uh, today. And like I said, it's going to change week to week. But this is where we're at today. And uh, we'll jump straight into it in a moment. Someone's trying to ring me. I can consider it's that. Already? Yeah, look at that. He's going to ring me. Get them on, get them on. <laughs> they haven't got just in time. They're going to get my annoying voicemail. Oh, is it? That it's like, hello. It's what? I, I can't eat. Can't oh, are, you, are you one that's, you've set up like a, a prank one. You're yeah, trying to, yeah, 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 I'm a troll. That's the worst. I, I hate, I hate falling for those because it makes me feel like it's like 1994 or something. <laughs> never ring me. <laughs> never ring me because you, you'll get it because you'll forget. Everyone forgets. Yeah. Everyone yeah. forgets even when you tell them. But yeah, um, ringtones, NFT ringtones. Yeah, there yeah, we go. I mean, right, there we go. That's not on the notes for today. It's not on the notes for the podcast. Tune in next week for <laughs> NFT ringtones chat. Um, cool. Okay, let me get my sheet in front of me. Right. So, what I wanted to open up the podcast with on this NFT spotlight is uh, a section where we will highlight something that we think is really important each week. It could be a really cool project. It could be a really terrible project. It could be something that we think is is really important, and that is definitely where we want to start. Uh, and kick off the ITMV podcast with, because uh, as we record today, we are in the midst of what's been going on between Russia and uh, Ukraine. Obviously, it's a really sensitive topic and it's something that is important, I think, to discuss and it's something that is relevant to all of us, you know, regardless of, of where we are and what we're doing. Uh, Ukrainians are, are no different to you and I, and they are, they are you know, in a pretty uh, terrifying situation. Um, but what has been going on in the crypto scene, you know, regarding this topic is the Russian feminist punk band Pussy Riot, who you may be aware of. Uh, they've been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They've been protesting the, the Russian state, basically, for about a decade now. I think they formed in 2010. Uh, members have been to prison. You know, they're, they're fully at the forefront of like LGBTQ human rights. Uh, and now they've launched something called the Ukraine DAO. Uh, Ukraine, Ukraine DAO. Or DAO, yeah, DAO, D-A-O. They were in you? House of Cards as well. 
Yes, it was. Um, it's Nadia who uh, is, has set this up. She was in House of Cards, yeah. Um, and she is is basically putting together this D this DAO. Sorry, I keep saying DAO. I mean <laughs> DAO. If I say DAO, just think it's just think of DAO. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're minting ten thousand Ukrainian flag NFTs, just you know, of the flag. Um, and what Nadia said about this, she said, uh, our goal is to raise funds to donate to Ukrainian civilian organizations and help those who are suffering from the war that, that Putin has started in Ukraine. Uh, it's definitely something that I think is is really important, and I wondered, Danny, if you might be able to talk about how you think DAOs could could change the way that we give aid and support charities, that kind of thing. The biggest thing I think at the minute is that, um, especially on Twitter, like especially noticing it the last couple of days, there's very clearly a big group, there's a big space for artists in Ukraine in Web three, and um, I think the single best thing to do at this very second is. Buy directly from your favorite Ukrainian artist right yep. now. Send them, or do you know what? Just pull their wallet address off OpenSea and just drop Chuck them. Chuck them some ETH. Yeah, yeah, give them a last little surprise airdrop or something. Um, but Ukraine DAO is very interesting because that actually is, that's looking to maybe act as a little bit more of a, a larger entity, you know, because you can you can get that individual support by buying the from the artist and that's yeah. going directly to them. Ukraine DAO looks more like it's actually gathering very very serious funds to. I'd make some very, very serious actions and maybe try and act as some kind of legal entity. Um, how effective that would be against war criminals in the first place remains, remains to, to be seen. seen. Yeah, it's but, it's definitely a start. And you know, the, the Pussy Riot have shown that they've got balls, uh, which yeah. is a, not only a hilarious pun, but uh, you know, they've been doing this for, for longer than any of us. Um, and I think it's a really important uh, venture that they're starting here. They're working with Trippy Labs uh, and Ross, I think it's Ulbricht. Ross Albright. Albright, sorry, mm. who obviously was involved with Silk Road. Um, oh, tricky, tricky one, that. It's a tricky. Ross Albright is a very morally complex man because you've obviously got the Silk Road and basically the, the setup of that whole dark web thing when, and you know, the rights to freedom. You know, should we actually just have the right to be able to do this without regulation? But he did also try and have people murdered. And that yeah. does need to be factored in when yeah. he, when he's involved in things. It's hang on, he is in jail because he was trying to hire hitmen to wipe his enemies out. Yeah, so there not is that. something that the ITMV <laughs> podcast condones. Uh, but you know, if you want to buy your drugs off the internet, thanks Ross, I guess. Uh, <laughs> thanks Ross. Thanks, thank you Ross. It's the official line of the podcast. Don't tell uh, our boss that we said that. Um, but yeah, this is this is. I think a really important thing. Uh, and you know, we'll put lots of links in the description to the Twitter page. They've got a Discord set up where you can, you know, communicate with the people that are on the ground in Ukraine, like, you know, live as it happens. Um, and you know, we, we are fully supportive of the, these guys. We want to, uh, get the word out as much as we can. So what is going to happen with this podcast is there will be an accompanying blog post as well. Uh, I'll get that written up after, after we finish recording here, which will include links to all the stuff we've spoken about so you can, you know, uh, verify that we're not bullshitting. Uh, not that we ever would, not not to you, of course, listeners. Um, but yeah, there's links to the Twitter account, there'll be links to some Ukrainian artists that you can support, uh, links to the Discord. And the other thing with Ukraine is it's full of developers, right? And without yeah. developers, this, this NFT scene is nothing. These people are uh, the spine of what we do and they are in a pretty serious situation. And I know, you know, this is the NFT scene, it's light, it's friendly, it's fun, but 
we've got to use our platform to highlight some of the horrors that are going on right now. Um, and there's no better way to, to do that than, than um, you know, by getting out into the internet and showing people that, you know, these are the people that you should support. These are the places that you should send your ETH, send your funds and, and support the people who are on the ground in Ukraine because they're the ones who need it. Um, and I think, I'm not sure when it's due to launch. I think it's still very early stages with the, the Ukraine DAO. Um, but yeah, check them out on Twitter, get involved because uh, they need your support. Slightly lighter note though, some of the really positive things about NFTs. I've got a new favorite NFT. Go on, Danny, tell me your favorite, favorite NFT. NFT. It's the Valentine's present actually. Um, lit, our mates at Lit, uh, they Litcoin, did a, shout out to Litcoin. They listens. did the Lit family, the Litizens. Uh, they they did this uh, collab uh, project too with Robert De Niro, and it, they basically they got Robert De Niro in front of a camera, reacting and all of the emotions, basically all hundred of them. Um, that's a less guaranteed list, by the way. There is one hundred emotions, no more, no less. <laughs> that's, that that's a fact, and. Yeah, so this NFT is, uh, I've got it right up in here so Charlie can see this in front of me and if you want to have a look there'll be a link just underneath so you can come and see what this actually is. But as a little bit of a description, it's, uh, it is Robert De Niro permanently reacting and being permanently updated to the last four hours worth of Ethereum price action. <laughs> That's fantastic. So what's, tell us what he's doing right now, Danny. He's like... Not too bad because, like, we're, we're, so where we're at recording this today, yesterday it all kicked off and uh, the markets took a huge plunge, like uh, down 18% at one point. Thanks, but, Vladimir. Thank you. But also, the, the absolute strength of um, the crypto market, Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, and even some tech stocks actually ended up by the end of the day in the green for where they were. So it was a, there was a huge amount of panic, a huge amount of despair when that built up and the thing happened. Then there was a huge dip and then within six hours it had you'd right back to where it was. So how affected, <laughs> like how secure uh, the crypto market is against the real world at the minute is mad. And Robert De Niro is here for it. Yeah, definitely. So how many of these uh, exist? Uh, I'm not sure, but there's a few. So you can get uh, five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour or four hours. And it is Robert De Niro reacting live. Yeah. I absolutely love that. It's, it's a really high quality image as well. He's like, yeah. sure you, I mean, we'll, we'll put the links uh, in the blog <laughs> and in the episode description and everything, but it's a very high quality Robert De Niro. Um, and yeah, at the moment he's, he's not like too pleased, but you know, the world's he's smug. Not, I mean, he's maybe that's not the smug. right choice of words. He, he does look pretty smug, but then wouldn't you be smug if you were Robert De Niro? <laughs> yeah. Or every day or all day. Imagine waking up as Robert De Niro. Yeah. Oh, the dream. <laughs> the dream. Um, and also one project that I really like uh, that minted last night was uh, there's an artist in Texas called Jenkins. Jenkins. And he uh, he's a mural artist. Like he's he's more graffiti than he is actually more of like a, compared to like Bjorn Melgaard or something like that. He's, yeah. You know, in, in quite a different league. Um, and he did this project which was uh, Kaiju's inspired by uh, Breakfast. Okay. Um, because Jenkins is a massive Breakfast fan. Oh, and um, he had been building he'd been building this project for about three months and it wasn't really ready for launch. It wasn't ready to go through with the minting. That maybe the community hadn't grown quite as much. You know they they wanted it to etc. So decided to do just a collection of five hundred free mints. Okay. Uh, went out yesterday at twenty three hundred. Uh, well, we're looking maybe like fifteen sixteen hours later from a free mint, they hit a point one six floor. 
That's excellent growth. And they had only 500 of these NFTs. They were all immediately claimed within five minutes. Did you claim one yourself? I did indeed. I've got one right here. Again, I'll put a little link to my one so you can see it. Um, nice. But yeah, this one's this one's my one. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the food thing is on this one. Um, yeah, but I can't, it looks I can't cool. Look out <laughs> the, the breakfast connection here. There's some of them though. Like if you look at the if you look at the full collection, um, you can see some have got bacon over the eyes. Oh yeah, uh, okay. It's like a, a pan like for, like this, the like this pancakes. That one's a unicorn. Nice. Pancake day next week actually. Jam on. He's got jam on toast as his left eye. Oh, brilliant! You know, and a donut Love there. It. So it's, it's just, they're silly cartoon characters, but the silly cartoon characters with a very personal story behind them, which is, isn't that just some of the best things about this space is when Most definitely. that happens. And I like this guy's story. Obviously it's not an endorsement and you can't go and mint them anyway because they're, they're all, they're they're all, all sold out. Um, I just told you how expensive they are. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That price will only be going up, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's not advice. No, this isn't um, financial advice. Before you listen to it, we need to put this right at the start of the podcast. Not Maybe we should call it the Not Financial Advice podcast because none of this is financial advice. We're just showing you cool stuff that we like. And if you want to buy it, then buy it. But don't do it because we told you. Do it because you follow in your heart. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Don't listen to me. I've got 14 Boba Fetts. And that's just a worthless lump of plastic that is literally yeah. devaluing every day. And I sit at it and I look at it and I think, hey, that's quite nice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a vinyl collector, also useless lumps of plastic that just sit in my living room. <laughs> that's, that's one of the big things that um, gets addressed because I, uh, I recently did a paper for a think tank and I published it and I got a little bit of grief on yeah. Twitter after publishing it. And one of the biggest things that people used as a way of attacking that was the climate, climate, climate. You don't realise the impact that buying an NFT has on the environment. Mm -hmm. I said, no, pal, you don't realise the effect that ordering a container load of a bootleg Boba Fett's in from China exactly. <laughs> has on the environment, and I do that anyway. Uh, <laughs> not out of, like, I hate the environment, but just out of the say, well, this is where we're at with materialistic yeah. post-colonial culture, so we'll, until we shift that out of the way, this is the game. You heard it here first, Danny Sim hates the environment. That's the breaking news, that's the... Uh, that's the takeaway from this episode one. Danny Sim hates the environment. back to the ITMV podcast as we talked about in the first section we are now here with our very own Matt Milner. Matt how are you doing mate? Very good thank you. Happy Excellent. to be here. Excellent. Matt is here for Spilling the NFT which is a little section where we go through some of the the drama that's gone on in the scene. You know if you spend any time on Twitter we all know you all see it people at each other's throats. Danny Sim has been the subject of some of this already this week which we've spoken about uh, but Matt's got a couple of bits to to talk about and go through so uh, over to you Mr Milner. Well guys, I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited to be talking to you today um, about the gossip in the NFT industry this week. <laughs> uh, obviously the first thing on everyone's lips is going to be the OpenSea phishing attack. Now there was quite a big attack on OpenSea where $1.7 million of NFTs were stolen. Uh, Danny, do you want to talk to us a bit about the tech behind that and what cool. went wrong? 
It was mad, right? You remember that night? It was like, Opposite, oh, Opposite's oh, been hacked, Opposite's oh, been hacked, everyone was like, ah! It was like the beginning of like Saving Private Ryan on Twitter that night. Everyone just descended onto spaces. Everyone's like, DK, you're willing, DK, you're willing now. It was like, something's vulnerable, everyone's going to be chained. It was just like, what's going on here? Yeah, Aiden, um, our, our in house conspiracy theorist, was losing his mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, was, Love wasn't it? Was, it was chaos. Um, and it was very noisy. Um, but usually those kind of things are like, whoa, 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 what's actually going on here? What's actually going on here? And then it became after like an hour, the rumor was, oh, it's only 32 wallets affected. So everyone started to calm down a little bit. And eventually OpenSea put a statement out on Twitter that basically said only 17 wallets were affected by uh, whatever this turned out to be. It was nothing to do with OpenSea. It was nothing to do with a malicious contract. But at some point, all of these 17 people, these 17 wallets had interacted with Added the same dodgy site at some right. point. So OpenSea basically put on that they're investigating this now with these 17 people to try and work out what they've all got in common that all led to this okay. hack, as it were. So we're, as we are right now, we still don't know who is to blame, who is at fault, who's getting sacked from OpenSea just yet. <laughs> no, the, the, the best bet would be that someone created a clone of a, an existing website right. that once you connected your wallet to, um, you basically gave them allowances your wallet uh, which okay. basically they waited until um until OpenSea were doing a migration onto a new contract and then they pulled the funds out to make it look like it was OpenSea because okay. that just all happened to be going so, on at the same time this is something that's been pretty meticulously planned it, it easily been planned for at least two months so it's, what can we do in the future if the scams are getting this sophisticated now yeah. and planned out what can people do to avoid that um, it's ridiculous, but follow official links because it was very likely. You know, Sound if, you follow, if you follow your official link in a Discord, you're more likely to go to like an IO site, which is more realistically what your project site is going to be in Web3. Whereas all of a sudden, if you go to like spilling these, if you're meaning to go to spilling the NFT.io, check you're on that website and not like spilling the NFT.com, mm. which may be a clone of the website that is entirely there just to get all your data off you. It's like that similar hack. A couple of weeks ago, when uh, there's someone was sending messages out on Discord saying, "I'll give you two grand a week to solve riddles." You remember that? <laughs> yeah. It's like that yeah. was not that wasn't even a connect your wallet kind of hack. <laughs> that was a he literally just went onto a website and that website was running a script that pulled all of this information they put into it. Blimey! If it seems too good to be true, it probably it is. almost except for this podcast, of course. Of course, <laughs> yeah. Um, but in other news, um, everybody's favourite American fan. No, I want to cut that out. Everybody's um, favourite first lady. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, she's not the first lady anymore, is no she? No longer, yeah. Um, okay, so. In other news, uh, former ex... No. Former ex? <laughs> former ex is not right. <clears throat> former or ex. In other news, former first lady Melania Trump has released an NFT on the Solana blockchain, and it seems that she's bought it herself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she really understood uh, that people that the blockchain is immutable; people can go back, and it's basically a transaction history. It's uh, fake but, news, man. It's yeah, fake man. News. People have done their um, research and found that it's gone. That the sale uh, is a wallet that she in fact owns. Uh, is this more of a commentary? Do you think on Solana, or do you think it's more of a commentary on Melania Trump's NFT? Oh, that's a very good question. I mean, we all know that the the Trumps are very open and honest with their finance, finances and <laughs> tax situations. So why would this be yeah. any, any different? I mean, it, it, if you if you're looking at it from the IRS level. 
it definitely like Melania Trump could have lost more money than she made and could mm. write it off if you if you're looking at it like that. Um, but the more realistically chance is just the fact that it was an NFT that had no utility, no purpose, no function. It was very clearly a cash grab. And the truth is that even though the market is full of scams, you know the obvious stuff is still very very obvious. It's why yeah. like. And there's so much reliance on these celebrity NFTs. Like everyone, everyone just got uh, up, up the backsides about and never fear truth these last two weeks. Everyone's like, Johnny Depp's going into space. Johnny Depp's going into space. Yeah, he did, and it took him five days to mint out his full collection because people actually don't really care that much all about celebrities. And I think Melania Trump did that same thing. Maybe overestimated most definitely the reach there. I think it's an interesting kind of topic of discussion because that celebrity argument stands for maybe why didn't Donald do it? Arguably, Donald is way more famous than Melania. He was, in fact, the president and he is universally known, whether that be for good or bad reasons. <laughs> so why wouldn't he do the uh, NFT range? Surely it would sell more. Um, but you're right, that celebrity stamp just doesn't hit the same. I think it depends, yeah. doesn't it? Because if you look at someone like Snoop Dogg, who we'll come on to talk about a bit later, you can tell he's interested in this, right? Yeah. Snoop owns NFTs. Snoop has been in the scene for, for a little while now. He's got genuine... Uh, you know, history and credibility to him. So if you see a project backed by Snoop, you're like, okay, you know, this, this is more legit, right? But you see someone like, like Melania Trump come in and mint this NFT that's got no utility, no nothing. It's just, yeah, a cash grab. And then when, you know, are you really surprised that this cash grab NFT from a cash grab celebrity has gone sideways? I think Trump as well, like Donald himself, he's probably way more Bitcoin y. Than he is, than he is old change, you know. Yeah, uh, Donald, think, Donald's not an old, an old coin guy. Yeah, he's more there than he is. You know, he doesn't do shit coins. Who knows? <laughs> Excellent. Um, cool. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Any other? That covers all the tea I have NFT, for this week. Building the NFT. Wonderful. Um, okay. Yeah, it's been really good to join you guys. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Matt, for coming on. You will definitely be back in some form or yeah. another. Like You'll I said, the, the form of the podcast is going to change week to week, but you will see Matt's beautiful face again. Welcome back to the ITMV podcast. Uh, we are here with Tyler Watson Bell. Tyler, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. And with our your friend of mine, Matt Milner. Matt, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Happy to be here. Excellent. Uh, so the part of this podcast, we're going to be talking about the metaverse. Tyler's our resident metaverse expert. He's uh, the man who knows everything there is to know about Web three. If Tyler doesn't know it, it is not worth knowing. Supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we're going to be going through today is a bit about how NFTs and blockchains can be a bit more green. Uh, one of the common criticisms leveled at NFTs and, and Ethereum is that it's not very eco-friendly. Um, and Tyler is going to talk to us through Tezos, Flow and Sol three uh, alternative blockchains that are kind of challenging that and being a bit more eco-friendly in uh, in how they work. So Tyler, I was wondering if you could talk us through a bit about each blockchain and what it is that they offer. Okay, so um, they, they all do uh, slightly different things. Um, we have Ethereum, which is uh, a, a traditional blockchain on the proof of work mechanism. Um, and the other three, Solana, Tezos, and Flow, all uh, operate on proof of stake. 
Um, but I'd say that's the main the main difference between them. Um, in terms of the how eco-friendly each one is, I'd say as long as it's proof of stake, they're all about the, around the same ballpark. Right. There is a spectrum still, but they are like more sort of greener than if they're proof of work, which kind of dramatically puts them on the other end of the spectrum. So, what is it that makes uh, proof of work so much more inefficient, energy-wise? So, if you think about proof of work, um, it's almost a competition. Uh, for each of the validating nodes to uh, solve the puzzles, um, which therefore requires way more energy because they're all kind of fighting right. to uh, own the block or however it works. Um, and from that, you're getting a way, a way larger en energy consumption than you will on proof of stake, which is a more of a, a closed off uh, system. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, Swings and roundabouts. It's the trade-off. You have to make trade-offs if you want to uh, be scalable. And I think Ethereum, for a long time, people have known that uh, proof of work isn't as um, scalable. Right. So Bitcoin also works on a proof of work. However, because it predominantly deals with transactions mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to deal with a, a versatile ecosystem like Ethereum, um, it doesn't actually require anywhere near as much computing power to what it does on Ethereum because um, Ethereum's got like DeFi, uh, NFTs, there's so much going on top of it and it's only getting bigger. Um, so it, it, it needs way more power than what the ecosystem that Bitcoin does, right. which is the problem they've been running into. Okay. So in terms of then each of these three blockchains and ETH as well, what are the kind of key benefits of using each one versus the others? Uh, so I'd say the biggest is the network effect and the user adoption. Right. Um, uh, it's I'd, if, if you're going to do an NFT, um, most of the NFTs uh, sort of ecosystem is based on the Ethereum blockchain. In fact, almost all of it. Okay. Um, then you've got the second biggest being Solana. Um, but there is a, a huge noticeable difference from using the Solana ecosystem to the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, pe people are just being onboarded every day to the Ethereum ecosystem. It's what they know. It's what they're kind of, it's what they learn. Yeah. Um, and therefore it's what they're like native to. Sure. So it makes, it gives it more power and more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, drive, I guess, um, right. to to um, to be the dominant chain. But we are seeing that filter down due to uh, largely sort of gas fees and economic uh, concerns. Sure, that's starting to filter down into other blockchains. So much so that we've uh, started looking elsewhere too, which is why we conducted the research on these top blockchains. Yeah, exactly. Is this a problem that you think ETH two can solve? We hope so. That's that's what they're uh, setting out to accomplish. But it, you never know till it's it's done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's such an established network. Hard forking it like they're planning to do is going to be a big operation because um, there's so much on top of it, and I can imagine there being small uh, sort of problems along the way as as with anything as with any change sure 
Um, but we'll see, we'll see. Hopefully it all goes fine and we have a uh, eco-friendly Ethereum and also maintains its large network effect that it has now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of a shot in the dark though. With Ethereum being so kind of like bad for the environment currently, out of the other three uh, blockchains you mentioned, what was it, Tezos, mm. Sol, and Flow, which one of those has the lowest carbon footprint? What is, what is the best alternative? So my understanding is that there is there is differences between the three, but as, as long as you're on the proof of state, the differences are quite minor compared to if you're on the proof of work. Like I said, picture of spectrum, proof of work is a far left, Proof of stake is somewhere around the 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 ninety five percent range. Um, they all tend to be around that range, so there isn't a lot in it between them. Um, and, I, and I'm not hundred percent sure on the numbers to to give a a straight up answer, but I th- I think it might be um, it's between Flow and Tezos. Um, but then the trade off of Ethereum um, Solana is that it's got the second largest network effect. So it's got the, it depends what you want to use it for, but for NFTs it's got um, a marketplace with a large portion of users. Um, so I guess it's the second best at OpenSea, which is based on Ethereum. Okay. And you said that uh, like people are being onboarded to Ethereum every single day, which is definitely true. Mm-hmm. Most most projects that launch uh, new, like, sorry, most uh, new projects that launch are launched on Ethereum. Have you seen any notable projects on Flow, on Solana, or on Tezos? Yeah, so, I mean, for Solana, um, there's been a few uh, decent ones. Um, I know there's that lizard one, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but that caught my eye. Um, On Flow, obviously the winner there is NBA Top Shots. Yeah. Classic. However, I believe that was natively launched on Ethereum. I think it was, and flow. then transitioned. Same as uh, CryptoKitties, that transition. Yeah, didn't yeah. Um, so that that was an interesting uh, point to raise. Um, Have they transferred because of the environmental concern or other reasons? You know, <sighs> it's interesting when you use NBA Top Shots, you still get the option of Ethereum or Bitcoin. Um, Flow is just another option, but I believe they have transitioned the platform onto the Flow blockchain because it's, it, I guess it's more centralized in a way, but it being more centralized comes with the uh, benefit of being quicker, like no gas fees yeah. or very limited gas fees and just more efficient in how it operates. Yeah. But then again, the trade-off is that it's less decentralized and... Sure. But then you can buy... NBA top shots with fiat, can you? You, you can, can just put your, fiat, your yeah. debit card in. And who's talking about the environmental effect of Visa or MasterCard? Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other topic. That's a, yeah. Comparatively, this is pretty and, small. And fry. that's my, my point on all of this. I understand that proof of work isn't scalable, especially when you're sort of top dog like Ethereum. Yeah. Um, in the in the smart contract rates. Um, but the I think the real conversation that should be had is around how we consume that energy and how we can make that energy more green Um, because as we evolve as a race it's inevitable that we're going to use more energy sure Um, cars all the cars are going to be electric um, everything is going to be electric it's about how we can how we um, build and consume that energy which is the question we should be 
raising um, and I think the quicker we answer that the quicker we can um, I guess evolve in these new industries that are forming absolutely and then just a final question for you Tyler how do you think the NFT and crypto industry and community can become more green overall it's a great question um, NFT specifically NFT or crypto or Web3, you know, we cover yeah. all, all bases on the podcast. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it looks like, from my understanding, that proof of stake is the solution. Um, it's just a different way of operating, which works. It almost drops about 95 to 98% of the energy used. Okay. Which is a huge percentage. Yeah, um, that's massive. And... That's why these more modern blockchains that are appearing all pick that. Um, but it's just about getting the trade-offs correct. Because if you go too far decent uh, centralized, then you're yeah you're um, you're kind of defeating the point. It defeats of the object in a, in a way. Do you think we will see mass migration from ETH to alternatives? From what I see right now, <laughs> there is a there is a, uh, a definite friction. Um, between using other blockchains. I mean, I just, I minted a project on uh, Tezos the other day. Um, it was Dogami. Um, and using their marketplace, I think I use Object. Like, it's good, but you just get comfortable with what you know on Ethereum. Like, yeah. it wasn't, it didn't have as many uh, metrics as I would have liked to right. uh, okay. be, be watching. Sure, um, this it is wasn't kind of quick, so it's yeah, it's kind of what what Matt mentioned in that you, as a newbie, you're pushed to ETH and to OpenSea, and and that's the way that everyone is kind of just, uh, you know, how you're brought into the industries. Do you think it is a problem of a question of marketing for these alternative blockchains? Yeah, I think marketing, um, but marketing only gets you so far. It's it's all about network effect. Sure, um, and that I guess takes time. But I would have thought we would see more blockchains being used. I mean, Solana had a, a bit of a spike like five months ago, four months ago. Right. Um, it's kind of um, it's kind of the hype that's died down a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we might see um, some blockchains start uh, gaining this adoption. But I think it will take. A, it depends what for. But say if we're talking about NFTs. I think it would take a very competent marketplace um, and efficient blockchain, which isn't doesn't isn't too far centralized. Mm. It kind of it's a it's a difficult uh, trilemma, but if you hit that right, and then you can uh, incentivize people to join the ecosystem and try it out and get used to a, a marketplace, maybe one that works. Yeah, like OpenSea isn't great. Everyone knows that. True. Um, but it again in the space it is the best we've got. Yeah. Okay. On the on the Ethereum. Excellent. Right. Well thank you for that time. Uh, to part four. Uh, is it part four? I think it's part four. 
uh, one of the parts of the ITMV podcast. Uh, you're back with myself, Charlie Brock, and uh, my esteemed, the Right Honourable, Danny Sim. <laughs> <laughs> They're not allowed to call me that anymore. No, no, he's been uh, banned from, from the House of Lords. Um, right, okay, so uh, this section is Meta Music, where we go through some of the more interesting happenings in the NFT, Web3, and music world, uh, and the way that those sort of three uh, areas cross over and interlap. Um, we're both big music fans, you know, as I'm sure a lot of, of you guys listening are, and we're really keen to see how the relationship between the music industry and Web3 develops. Uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, we're very early days. Anything can happen. Um, but the most recent sort of, or the biggest thing that's been going on recently is Snoop Dogg and his uh, metaverse uh, avatars that he's, he's been bringing out. Doggies. Doggies. Uh, now, these look pretty cool. There's uh, how many? One, two, three, four, five, 10K. six, seven. Yeah, 10K oh. of them, which is split into seven different um, factions. factions, I suppose is the right word. They all look pretty cool. I think there's some of these are kind of callbacks to... CryptoPunks, you know, you've got like the blue guys, the alien people. Um, the art, I think, is is pretty cool. What do you think, Danny? Uh, it looks like a pretty good sandbox avatar, to be honest. It looks like, you know, you've definitely got all the recognisable stages of Snoop's career yeah. out of the collection. Um, obviously, it's sold out pretty fast. And... Yeah, people have spent some pretty big money in the secondary market, I think, to, to get yeah. involved in this, um, which it's it seems really cool. You know, he's... He's going to be, I think, doing a, a music video that's going to happen in the sandbox, and these these avatars are going to be part of that. So, uh, you know, maybe you won't be able to be in a in a Snoop Dogg video, but your virtual persona can be, <laughs> yeah. which is, is pretty cool, man. Um, you know, the uh, Doggy Five Five Zero Eight just this second sold for fifteen hundred sand, which is the equivalent of four out four and a half thousand dollars. So there's a lot of there's clearly a lot of demand for this collection. I mean, the floor price is zero point five nine nine right now. Um, and the, even the average sale is way more than that. Uh, so like this one, 4.88 ETH, and that's only 19 minutes ago. And that's just a, that's not even a, a, a real rare one. <laughs> no. So the rarity is broken down in these, uh, these factions. So 63% are humans, 11% are blue, 10% are aliens, uh, 7% are zombies. Uh, 5% are a dog, Snoop Dogg. I'm not sure what that means, to be honest with you. Hmm. <laughs> 3% are robots, and then 1% are golden. Uh, so there's a, some pretty cool rarity. Uh, you're also, you know, I think the previous holders got whitelist for this. There's a Snoopverse early access pass, which is listed at like 525 sand, which is, is you know. Silly money. Silly money, to be honest with you. Uh, but Snoop, if you want to give us any of these for free, then uh, we will definitely be taking it. Oh yes, I'm a very <laughs> silly guy. <laughs> um, but you know, we here at ITMV, we're we're fully in on this sandbox, the Metaverse Web three. We love it. Um, we've we've seen you know the Wombats do a similar drop. They had their avatars, which I thought looked really cool. They've got this big gig coming up. Uh, I haven't seen that Snoop Dogg's got any plans for like a concert just yet, but I think it will happen. Um, and that's a really exciting thing. I think that. The, the way that you can experience live music in Web3 is is going to be a game changer, right? So, you know, whether you've, you know, we're both live music fans, we go and see gigs uh, quite regularly. But, you know, if you're differently able, if you've got COVID, if you're on the other side of the world, you can't go and see your favorite band. But, you know, this technology, this Web3, the Sandbox and Snoop Dogg, the Wombats, these guys are pioneers of, of changing that. And it's, um, it's an incredibly exci- exciting time to be a music fan, I think. 
It's fascinating because obviously there's going to be a concert, but Snoop last week bought Death Row Records as well. So if Snoop is going to put on this massive concert, he's got one hell of a lineup and catalog of IP to choose from. Like we saw this a few years ago. Do you remember when that uh, they brought uh, Snoop was doing a, a live show and they brought Tupac out as a hologram? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of this uh, this acquisition. Um, maybe trying to get their hands on some very, you know, recognizable IP from maybe that particular era. What are you going to do with it? You can gamify it. We know we all want to play the two-pack game, as it were. Um, and I think it's interesting because it's very much what we're seeing now is very much like the first 5% is the tip of the iceberg. What, and when we see these things, and what's always important to remember is when a big company and these and big money, big capital makes moves like this, we hear about it maybe two years into their plans, into yeah. a roadmap that they've been working on and are working on. And we only hear so much of it. You know, we may only hear... Oh, you know, Snoop Dogg's got this land, 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 whatever, whatever. But, you know, he may be further down the line putting on two years from now. There might be these huge hologram Coachellas planned. We just yeah. don't know about it yet. Well, um, you look at what ABBA have been doing and their kind of virtual experience. Uh, I know you said to me previously that there's potential that the Beatles are going to be doing something similar. Rumours, rumours, rumours. Am I allowed to say that? They're, it's rumored. Okay. It's rumored. <laughs> <laughs> it's rumored that there, there may or may not be something in the works holographically with the Beatles. See, and that would be huge. You know, the average age of the Beatles fan. You know, if you saw the Beatles, you, you've seen the Beatles. But you know, someone like myself, someone even into their forties and fifties who may be a Beatles fan, mm. wouldn't have been able to experience those songs live. You know, well, uh, before nineteen seventy, they only yeah. played live. What they stopped playing live after a time, didn't they? They, yeah, they stopped playing live. Um, I can't remember the exact. I've, I've not long watched that documentary. 66, 67? It was, yeah, whenever Sgt. Pepper came out, because that's mm. the live album that isn't a live album. Oh, of course. Um, bit of Beatles uh, chat for you there. <laughs> right, well, that brings us to a close here on ITMV Podcast Episode 1. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for, for getting involved. Um, we've gone through some really interesting topics some some really important topics with Ukraine and what's going on there, uh, you know, and then all, all the way to the, the more kind of obscene with Snip Dogs, uh, metaverse music. Um, it, but you know, such is the scene. Right. Well, that is it for ITMV podcast. The first episode of the ITMV podcast. Thank you so much, Danny, for joining us. Thank you to Matt and Tyler as well for coming on. We really uh, value your input. We've got some really important discussions to, to have. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, the other thing that I want to go over before we call time on the show today is we want to hear from you. Uh, we want to hear your guys' NFT stories. I know, Danny, you spoke about uh, missing out on minting a board ape really early. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear stories like that, like your NFT fails. When did you miss out on whitelist of the next massive project? Have you ever been to hard drive with 15 Bitcoin on it? You know, I want to hear your NFT horror stories. So uh, get in touch. We're going to be podcast at itmv.io. That's the email address. Send us your NFT stories. Uh, send us anything interesting. We want to hear from you. Uh, the last thing that we wanted to talk about before we kind of close out here is, is a close friend of yours, Danny, called Mad Dog. Uh, <laughs> introduce the listeners to Mad Dog oh, and, of course. and uh, his life. Uh, Mad Dog was an absolute enigma. Um, he was mad as a box of frogs. Um, when I first met him, he, uh, he was smoking Marlboro Reds and he used to rip the filters off and smoke them pure because he, they weren't strong enough. 
that's this guy. And uh, he, he came in, I remember the first day, I was running an event. I was running a festival, a very, very young age, and uh, I didn't know any DJs, and I asked the venue owner, um, Colin, who also died last week, rest in peace. But I asked, I said to Colin, I said, do you know any DJs? And he says, yeah, yeah, we'll get Mad Dog in, we get Mad Dog, get DJ Mad Dog in. I'm like, all right, that sounds healthy. Um, <laughs> so this guy comes in, and he comes in in a fur coat and a top hat, and I'm like, oh, my, my man, my man, who is this? And uh, he's, he's, he was the funniest man in the world, and um, I was... I was thinking I was like 13 or 14, actually 14 when I met him. And um, it sounds weird, but I very much at that age, I very uh, accepted the world as is. I didn't necessarily question the things I question these days. Yeah. And uh, he sent me a link to an Alex Jones movie. Uh, he sent me a link to Alex Jones Endgame, which I watched at 14 years old. Alex Jones and is in The Water's Turning the Frog's Gay. That's the guy. Ever was, right? Okay. That's the guy. <laughs> and uh, while I'm not, I'm not an Alex Jones cult, and I'm not, um, I'm not in, I'm not that kind of mad conspiracy theorist, but I find it all very entertaining. And I Absolutely. do like the idea of questioning why. And... <laughs> Mad Dog basically um, introduced that introduced that concept to me that hang on, don't just accept what you see in front of you. Ask why. Yeah. Ask why. Dig, dig deeper. Dig deeper. And around 2016, he told me about Bitcoin. That's early he, yeah. days as well, especially in the UK. I think there was yeah. really no one knew about it. You know, it was kind of big in America and in Asia, but in the UK on a quiet little island, it was. Difficult to find other degens. It was. It was, and I, I got some. I got some Bitcoin, and I used. I used it on the dark web for the first time, and and so on. Like he sort of helped me through that yeah. whole process. Um, and he had a he had a Trezor, Trezor, sorry, at the time, and he was basically just stacking Bitcoin, absolutely stacking Bitcoin every week. He'd buy twenty quid and put it away, put it away, put it away, put it away, and he did that. And he, at the time, last week, by last Sunday. He was 44 years old. He was living with his mom. He had a job as a local councillor, uh, which was elected to as an independent, um, and the council hated him for it, uh, <laughs> right, rightly so. But he, you know, he never ever over, you know, he saw out two Bitcoin halvings worth of gains and never, ever, ever once cashed out. Now, he, he was, you know, he he might have, he might have been telling a lie. He might have been saying some after a pint, but it doesn't matter. The point was, if he was telling the truth, he hoarded and hoarded and hoarded for years. And then when he died last week, it was unfortunately too late. He'd never cashed out. He'd never actually enjoyed any of this money, and this money would have probably been enough to change everything. But he's probably Absolutely. waiting for the right time, waiting for the right time to cash out. But then he died, and actually now we'll never actually see that. And then. You know, I hope someone in his family somewhere finds his finds his cold storage, and otherwise, there's a load of Bitcoin just left the supply. Yeah, um, but the message is: <laughs> remember to take your profits. Yes, we, you know we've spoken about Ukraine, we've spoken about friends that have passed. Life is fragile and short. Enjoy the money where you can, and you know this is why we're all here at the end of the day. You know, I know we enjoy the art, we enjoy the music, but everyone's here to make a couple of quid. And if you're not spending it, you're not enjoying it. If you're not living your life, you might as well be dead. Um, and on that <laughs> positive on that note, positive note <laughs> yeah anyway this one's for you mad dog we we love you mate and we're, we're sorry to hear, to hear that you're no longer with us um, but yeah thank you very much for listening to episode one of the ITMV podcast we'll be back very soon with even more come on baby.